The views, opinions, and comments expressed by hosts, guests, and callers of this show are not necessarily those of this station, its parent company, Telesouth Media, its staff, management, or advertisers. Content of this broadcast cannot be duplicated or used in any way without the express written consent of Telesouth Media Incorporated. Now, join us for Advisors Roundtable with your hosts, certified financial planners, Greg Cooley and Bubba Labus. It's professional advice for your life. Welcome to the Advisors Roundtable, certified financial planners, Greg Cooley and Bubba Labus with you right here on Super Talk Radio. And Bubba, we're right in the middle of uh what seems to be an online and newspaper and political storm related to the financial markets. Isn't it fun and exciting? Oh, man. And, you know, a lot of people, I think, who have emotion related to it. And what we're talking about is this GameStop, Reddit, Robinhood issue. And we're, we're going to get in the depths of it, people. So, uh, you know, you, you may want to pull over and just call your boss and say you're going to be an hour late to work. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, we got to go through two or three breaks here to be able to get in some sessions. But, you know, I, I think a lot of people who are talking about this really don't understand it. They're just mad. Many, many people don't understand it. Uh, I think think some of the individuals uh, who are... uh, I need to start off by saying this. Mm -hmm. The individual stocks and securities and companies that we're talking about today are in no way a reflection of any kind of recommendation to purchase and or to sell any of these securities. Did you read that off a disclaimer somewhere? I, I don't know. I've seen enough of those disclaimers. <laughs> you got right? it memorized. I've almost got it memorized. <laughs> yeah, you're exactly right. Uh, but for practical purposes, this is something that's uh, newsworthy, obviously. Yeah. yeah and yeah. and we can use real-life examples here mm-hmm. uh, today to explain mm-hmm. kind of what happened and what's going on. We're going to fully explain what shorting a stock is. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right? And the and, ways you can do it. Uh, yeah, and the, and practically what it means mm-hmm. when you get involved in it. Right. And we're going to talk about herd mentality, and we're going to talk about front-running. There's a bunch of stuff here mm-hmm. related to what happened. So I think the best way to do that is to lay some groundwork so that everybody understands the terminology we're going to use. Mm-hmm. All right? First of all... Um, there were these uh, entities involved in the market called hedge funds. Right. All right, so what's a hedge fund? Uh, so generally speaking, I would say the best way to describe a hedge fund is a private investment fund that's only available to certain qualified investors. Okay. So what do you have to do to be a qualified investor, uh-huh. right? Well, you've got to have a certain amount of income. It's usually a higher amount of income. Mm-hmm. You've got to have a certain expertise uh, in investments and markets and, and that sort of thing. So you've, uh-huh. you've got to be educated to that degree. Right. Uh, and in many cases, the compensation structure of the hedge fund managers mm-hmm. is very different, Right. Okay, now, whoa, whoa, whoa. basically you're telling me that uh, John Q. Public, to a large extent, and the little guy is excluded from this. And, and it could be an exclusion for a couple of different reasons. Okay. Right? One of those reasons might be that John Q. Public doesn't make enough money. 
They're well, not what's considered to be a qualified investor. Well, why should that? I mean, you're cutting me out, and everything's all for the big guy, and it, and yeah. this is all for rich people. Mm-hmm. And what about me and my kids? Uh, you know, why do I have to be a qualified investor to get involved in this? Uh, I think the government takes the standpoint here that if if you're a qualified investor, meaning that you have certain income, certain net worth requirements, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that sort of thing, mm-hmm. that you're more astute. Mm-hmm. Right, meaning that you know a little bit more about investments, et cetera, et cetera, mm-hmm. uh, and therefore, because you have more means mm-hmm. and more income, that should one of these investments go south, you're fully aware and and um, not that you would like it, but you're capable of withstanding the blow that that you could have if. If it doesn't do so, well. there are you use the the the, the uh, term there the mm-hmm. government right. There are already some regulators looking at this and government entities who are trying to protect people that may not be able to withstand certain losses. And some of these hedge funds make a lot of money. Absolutely, they do. But sometimes they lose. Mm-hmm. And you've got to be prepared to do that. Sure. you got to be informed on the front end of all of the risks. Mm-hmm. And you got to know, hey, man, if this is the only $2,000 you have right. to invest, and this is what you want to do with your Roth money, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Grandpa looking over our shoulder up there is probably saying, mm-hmm. nah, we're not going to let you get hurt. So we, we talked about... Um the requirements of certain individuals, John Q. Public in this mm-hmm. case, right? That may have an income requirement, may have a net worth requirement. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the fund side, okay. right? So we're talking about these hedge funds, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. They may have a minimum investment, okay, which may exclude some individuals, mm-hmm. right? If, if uh, for instance, I'm running a hedge fund mm-hmm. and I say, well, my minimum investment is going to be a million dollars. There's not many folks that would have a million dollars to go yeah. right into a fund. Right. You know, and so uh, practically speaking, if you're one of those people listening out mm-hmm. there and you're all about the little guy and you want to protect you know, John Q. Public's interest, I want to fully explain what's happening here from the point of view of the regulators. If our executive producer, Phil Womack, sitting over there is the government, Mm -hmm. and he's set some of these rules, and he's trying to protect people from unnecessary loss and from things coming out of left field that they weren't informed of, and you're the the hedge fund manager, Mm -hmm. you may kind of cooperate with him. Yeah. Because he would be saying, hey, uh, you know, you got to have a certain income. You got to have a certain expertise. You got to sign off on all these mm-hmm. disclosures and have a certain uh, net worth and all these things he could. And you can say, hey, I'll help you out there and make this real easy. Mm-hmm. I'll just make my minimum a million bucks. Yeah. Or $50 million. I mean, it, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. And some of them are. Mm-hmm. All right. So I think we've. And that's that's M. Yeah. Million. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, because we haven't gotten to the B's and the T's, right. the billions mm-hmm. and the trillions. Right. Because some of these are huge. Mm-hmm. Some of these hedge funds are are big. Right. And they're made up of really, 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 really wealthy people's sure. money. Mm-hmm. Now, why would a wealthy person want to take a portion of their net worth, their investments, 
and put it in something that's this risky. If, if you got a government regulator over there, Phil sitting there and his whole job yeah. is to regulate mm-hmm. this, and there are departments that regulate the SEC yeah. and other, that regulate these kinds of investments, why would you, you as an investor want to do this? It's, it's a risk and reward calculation. <laughs> All right? I may already be a billionaire. Another way to put that is mm-hmm. it may be about greed and fear, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So a risk and reward scenario, Mm -hmm. Uh, because you're risking uh, money in an asset like this that could be perceived as being more aggressive, Mm -hmm. you've got more capital or more of your money at risk, Mm -hmm. and therefore you would uh, expect or hope for a higher rate of return than you could get in traditional markets. All right. So some years I may hit the, you know, uh, a home run with Mm -hmm. this particular hedge fund and make 50% on my money. Sure. But next year I may lose. 50%. 50%. That's correct. I mean, they're going, mm-hmm. and what are inside hedge funds? And, and I know this is a broad mm-hmm. question. It's almost like me asking you inside a mutual fund, what do they have? Because mm-hmm. all of them are, a lot of them are different. They're based on different requirements and sectors of the market and whatever they hold themselves out to be. But generally, inside a hedge fund, what do you have? You may have some stocks. Yeah. You may have some bonds. You may have some cash. And then we're going to get to a thing called options. Well, and and along with that would be private equity. Yep. Which which some hedge funds would invest in. All right. So we're going to go to break Mm -hmm. and we're going to come back and talk about what's the definition of private equity and what's the definition of these options. And then we're going to get to Robin Hood here on the Advisors Roundtable, Super Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Advisors Roundtable on Super Talk Radio. Certified Financial Planners Cooley and Labus here with you. And uh, we're talking a little bit about, or a lot in depth, hopefully, um, you know, ways that laymans can understand what's happened with this GameStop saga and uh, related to Robin Hood and, and, and uh, private equity and, and hedge funds and all the like. So we talked a little bit about these hedge funds, Bubba, mm-hmm. and you're, you're telling me that inside a hedge fund they could have some stocks and some bonds and some cash and some private equity. Right. So what is private equity? Well, uh, just so you talked uh, a second ago about stocks, right? Mm-hmm. Most people understand stock and think about stock as something that you can buy on an exchange. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. you go to a broker, you, you mm-hmm. do it online in some cases, mm-hmm. right? And it's part interest or part ownership in some company out right. there. Right. All right. Well, what if that company is not publicly traded? And I want some of it. And you want some of it. Okay. All right. So the way you do that is through private equity. Right. And in essence, what would happen, let's say that our, our producer over there, we're, we're going to make Phil just, you know, loaded today, right? Yeah, he is. He, he's yeah. in charge of everything. Yeah. <laughs> but let's say that um, that Phil is the sole owner of this radio station. Okay. And all Super Talk radio stations throughout Mississippi. Okay. Right? All right. He's the man. And and you and I see uh, Super Talk Radio is a good investment. They've mm-hmm. got you know good employees. Mm-hmm. They've got good ad revenue coming in. Mm-hmm. They've got excellent content. <laughs> you Absolutely. Know, if I would say, especially you know, yeah. uh, between the nine and ten hour or noon and, and Tupelo. Yeah. Right. 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 So um, we we come together and we say, you know what, we really like this business and this business model, but mm-hmm. we think we could do a little bit better. Yeah. Uh, than what present management is doing. And maybe we want to own a little piece of this. Okay. So we put together a package and say, we want to buy your business. Okay. And Phil accepts. 
Okay. You know, he, he cashes his check, and now we're the owner of, of a, you know, a slew of radio stations throughout the state. Okay. Right? Hmm. That's private equity. It's, it's a private company that would be owned by a fund. Okay. Uh, right. Or by an individual. Uh, that's the way you could describe right. that. And a number of times hedge funds mm-hmm. buy these things. Yeah. Because they say, you know what? Super talk is a really good investment, mm-hmm. and maybe it has some good uh, profit at the end of yeah. the year. But they don't want to go public, right? Bubba and, Bubba and Greg want to run this thing. Mm-hmm. They don't. There are a bunch of regulations yeah. and, and a lot of hoops to jump mm-hmm. through when you want to change anything. Right. Once you've gone public and have all those regulations, they want to keep it private. But we want a little bit of the action, right? So Bubba and Greg come in. We buy this uh, radio or, or slew of radio stations throughout the state. Mm-hmm. We do uh, some changes from a management mm-hmm. level. We increase, you know, ad revenue. Whatever we're doing, we mm-hmm. we you know improve on the content in some form or fashion. Mm-hmm. And then from there, we say, hey, you know what? We've kind of taken this this gem here and polished it up real nice. Maybe we want to sell it now yeah. to some other investor or sell a part of it or sell a part of it. Okay. And all of that could happen, and it happens on a daily basis in America, and it happens on the ground level privately and not on an Mm -hmm. exchange. Right. None of this happened on the New York Stock Exchange. That's right. That we're talking Mm -hmm. about, this theoretical thing. Sure. All right? And so that's called private equity, and hedge funds kind of like that. Yeah. They're not really precluded from that. Either. I mean, a hedge fund, if they tell you up front, we're going to put 30% of our money in, in private equity, mm-hmm. then, you know, they, the gloves are off. Right. They, if they want to invest in radio stations, great. If they want to mm-hmm. invest in tractor dealerships, that's great. Or grocery stores yeah. or jewelry distributors or whatever, they can. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, another thing that they hold in their investment portfolio is a thing called options. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is where we get to the crux of the issue related to GameStop. So I would say as well that it's not only hedge funds that own options. Mm-hmm. Okay, there are a number of uh, individuals and investors out there, institutions that buy options for various and sundry reasons, mm-hmm. hedge funds that own options mm-hmm. uh, and trade in options. Right. Um, so so it, it's not limited to hedge funds. And there are a number of ho- kinds of options. Yes, there are. You can bet on a company going up. You can bet on a company going down. You, you know, you can hedge your bets. Yeah. There's mm-hmm. straddles and all kinds of right. other stuff. And you, if you you can take contracts that say that a, a company won't do anything. There you go. Yeah, that's right. If you own a present company and you say you'd be okay selling a few of your shares, mm-hmm. you can basically charge rent to yeah. somebody for the option of possibly buying them down. I mean, there's a lot of stuff. And if you really want to get in the weeds on mm-hmm. options, just go to YouTube. Right. There are, you know, Harvard professors mm-hmm. who dumb it down for people like us and will explain to John Q. Public what is a straddle and what's a put sure. and what's a call. But let's talk right now about you thinking that, hey, maybe there's a business out there that right now they're doing pretty well. But in the future, I don't think they're going to do so well. Mm-hmm. They don't seem to be rolling with the times. They haven't increased their technology. They ha- haven't accepted that there is a Netflix. And they haven't accepted that people stream on their phones. So I don't know how many people are going to go to theaters anymore. Mm-hmm. 
and you're a hedge fund manager. Right. So what's one of the options you could involve yourself in if you think this thing is going to go down? Well, here I am, this rich guy, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that a particular company is not going to do well, Mm -hmm. for whatever my reasons may be, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Maybe it's uh, an antiquated business model. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's, uh, you know, looking at something. And and in this case, since we're uh, talking about particular companies here let's let's say it's GameStop right okay all right I look at GameStop as a business model and mm-hmm. I, I say to myself you know what this doesn't make sense mm-hmm. most things are moving to digital downloads these days there's not much reason for uh, individuals to go into a store to, to purchase thing these things to buy a disc or whatever this company GameStop is not making any money right now and mm-hmm. we don't anticipate them to make money in the future so we don't. I think they're going down, right? right. And I, that could be my opinion, right? Yeah. Okay, right. And so if that is your opinion mm-hmm. and you're a hedge fund manager, yeah. how do you play that? Well, you can do it a couple of different ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, since we're talking about options, we'll begin there. Mm-hmm. Um, you, can, uh, you can buy puts. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, a put is basically a contract that you buy from somebody else. Mm-hmm that allows you to make them purchase stock at a, a particular price. You put it off on them. I put off my obligation on them, or I put off my stock on them at a certain price. Okay. So right. in this case, let's say that uh, that I bought puts on GameStop at, at uh, 40 bucks. Okay. A share, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So most or all options contracts come in 100 share increments. So mm-hmm. if I buy one contract, that represents 100 shares. Which is, in this example, 4000 bucks. Correct. Okay. Right? All right. Because it's trading at $40 yeah. a share in your example. All so right. what's, what's my hope there? Mm. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, my hope is, is that the stock price goes down. Right. I can buy the stock at $20 a share mm-hmm. and make Phil over here purchase it from me at $40 a at share. At 40 All right. Okay. Because he's on the other end of the contract. He's on the other end of the contract. Okay. All right. So you can get involved in this in the options mm-hmm. market. Right. You can also do a thing called selling short. Right. So, so selling short is, um, uh, an, an interesting uh, concept to think of, it right? Is. But I'm gonna, I'm going to try to put it in words that most everybody would understand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Let's say, Greg, that I come to you and I say, "Hey, you know what? You've got something um, that I don't think is going to be worth anything pretty soon. Let's say it's a valuable coin, or a you know a collector shotgun, or GameStop stock. Yeah, or a ten-year-old okay. truck." Yeah, or a 10-year-old truck. Right? I mean, they go yeah. down in value, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Or at least you think it will. At least you think that they will. Okay. So I own something that you think is going to go down. Yeah. And I come to you and I say, hey, you know what, Greg? Let me borrow that truck from you. Okay. And I go out and I I, I say, all right. And you say, yeah, I'll, I'll let you borrow it from me, but you've mm-hmm. got to uh, pay me a little bit of interest on it okay. in the meantime, right? So okay. you're getting some interest along the way. Mm-hmm. And I think that the value of this truck... Uh, later on is going to be, you know, let's say that you think it's worth $10,000, right? Mm-hmm. And I think it's not worth a penny, all right? <laughs> okay. it, it's just, you know, maybe I'll get 50 bucks from the junkyard for it, right? Okay. But then all of a sudden, uh, I've got your uh, your truck, uh-huh. and I've borrowed it, right? Mm-hmm. 
And then all of a sudden, all these other individuals kind of find out about this transaction that, that you and I have taken in, into consideration here. Mm-hmm. And they say, you know what? That uh, 1988 Toyota Hilux pickup truck mm-hmm. is really sought after, right? Oh. And there's a lot of demand for that particular truck. All right. And it goes up in value. Okay. And while goes, you're holding, while I'm holding it, I borrowed it from you, right? Okay. So my hope is that uh, you know I can I can go buy one for scrap down at the scrap metal yard, and then return your truck or the one that I buy at the scrap metal yard back back to you, right? Okay. And in the meantime, I pocketed the difference, uh, right? Uh, but uh, in the case of GameStop, what occurred there is a lot of these individuals found out about this short position. Mm-hmm. And uh, thought to themselves, and, and you know, this is kind of one of the neat things about this whole uh, this whole process is mm-hmm. um, individuals uh, banded together mm-hmm. and made the value of that stock go up. Yep, and we're going to talk about yeah. why would they do that when Bubba's already told me it may be a stock that really doesn't have much investment value here at the Advisors Roundtable on Supertalk. Welcome back to the Advisors Roundtable. Certified financial planners Greg Cooley and Bubba Labus with you right here on Supertalk Radio, and we're talking about these hedge funds and the GameStop uh, saga and lots of other things there associated with with uh, short selling and, and other things. So uh, let's take a, another moment related to a short sale. So let's say that the uh, hedge fund wants to short um, in this case, GameStop, they would say to their brokerage firm, mm-hmm. we want to short, we want, we think it's trading at 40, we think it's going to go down to 20. Mm-hmm. So in, in your example of borrowing my truck, they're going to borrow some stock right. from whatever brokerage firms they're mm-hmm. dealing with. Yep. Now, where are they borrowing that stock? Out of the various people account, uh, accounts that are there? That's right. So they're saying to Robinhood, you know, we want to short a million shares of GameStop. Mm-hmm. This is just an example. And Robinhood says, okay, you're going to pay a certain fee for that. Sure. You're going to pay this rent. You mm-hmm. talked about paying me if you took my truck. Right. But you're going to pay rent for that, and we're going to take 100 shares out of Bubba's account electronically. Right. We're going to put it back if Bubba yeah. ever needs it. Mm-hmm. But we're going to take 100 shares out of his account and 1,000 out of Phil's and a few. We're going to come up with this million shares you want to short, yep. but you're going to pay for it. And and a lot of people don't realize that that's how our brokerage works. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people think that uh, that they're going to own whatever stocks that they own in their account. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when you sign the, the, the paperwork, there's a hypothecation agreement, as they would call it, mm-hmm. right? And it allows. It allows the brokerage firm to mm-hmm. loan your securities to other individuals. Right. And as I said, if you need them, mm-hmm. then they're going to have to go get them back from the person they loaned them to, right. or get some more out of Phil's million, mm-hmm. you know, multi-million dollar account over there to make right. you whole. Mm-hmm. But you know, that, you're asking, "Oh my gosh, I never understood that hypothecation, mm-hmm. brokerage, all that stuff, sure. Bubba." But do you really understand how banks work? No. Huh? Yeah, most individuals wouldn't. Because a, a, a person comes in and makes a deposit of $100,000 in a bank. Mm-hmm. Is that $100,000 sitting over there in a box that's got Bubba's name on it? 
uh, unless it's in the safety deposit box. Yeah. Right. But otherwise, no. When you, know, you make you, a deposit, you make a deposit to the bank, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And in turn, the bank turns around and loans that money out for a car loan or a mm-hmm. house loan or whatever mm-hmm. they may do. So right? they're kind of doing their little hypothecation thing sure. too. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And that's how we hope the bank makes money, and they're there if I need them. Mm-hmm. Because when I put the 100000 in and they say they're going to give me 2% on my savings, mm-hmm. and then Phil wants to borrow it for a car and they charge him 6%, yep. they make the spread. They're making the 4% spread. So they can be there in mm-hmm. the future, and they can make a profit for yep. their shareholders. This is the way the whole thing has been working forever. So sure. don't act like you're suddenly offended that sure. you found out that brokerage firms kind of do this. Mm-hmm. So in my example, the hedge fund comes and says, I want a short GameStop a million shares. Right. All right. And brokerage firm finds the million. They give it to GameStop. Mm -hmm. GameStop may go out and sell it today. Right. And get their $40 a share. Mm -hmm. So now they got 40 million bucks. And they are under a time constraint, right? Yeah, they are. They're supposed to put that million shares back pretty soon. Mm -hmm. But in this example, they ain't got the million shares anymore. Right. They've already sold it. Right. So because because they think that the stock's going to go down in value, right? So if they've got it at forty bucks a share, Mm -hmm. sold it at forty bucks a share. Mm -hmm. In other words, selling short because it's selling something that they don't actually own. They borrowed it, right? Right. Right. They anticipate and hope that they can go back later on Mm -hmm. and buy a million shares at twenty bucks a share. Yeah. And fulfill their obligation to the brokerage firm and keep the profit, and then everybody's happy, Right. right? Right. Because all the individual investors have their shares back in their account, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Brokerage firm is happy because they've been repaid the shares that they took out of the people's accounts, right? And they've gotten interest along the way. There you go. Yep. All right. So that's the way selling short has mm-hmm. worked for what? 120 or 30 years? Yeah. Mm-hmm. At least in America. Right. Since brokerage firms have been around. Sure. Now, what's the risk here? Mr. Hedge Fund sold for or mm-hmm. a million shares that he didn't own. It was yep. somebody else's. Mm-hmm. Um, and what if the stock goes up? Well, that's that's where the risk lies. Uh-huh. So in this case, uh, and this is such a classic example of something called a short squeeze. Yeah. All right? All right. So uh, in this case, uh, Phil, let's say we borrowed this million shares from Phil, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and Phil is a good example here because he's got access to this thing called the radio. Right. 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 So, uh, we borrow the the million shares from Phil. We go ahead and sell it. Mm -hmm. We've got our 40 million bucks, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Thinking that we're going to buy it back in six months, Mm -hmm. you know, for $20 million and we're going to pocket 20 million bucks. And every month or every day or whatever the agreement is, I'm paying some interest. Right. Okay. But in the meantime, you know, I didn't wave at Phil on the street. And he got mad at me, right? right? And right. he goes to his little machine over here with a microphone on it, mm-hmm. and he broadcasts to the world. Can you believe what this mean guy Bubba did, this rich guy Bubba? Mm-hmm. You know, he borrowed this stock mm-hmm. from me. He sold it already, and, and you mm-hmm. know, it's just uncanny the, the types of actions that he's taking. Right. I want everybody to go out and buy this stock. Yeah, everybody who loves GameStop Mm -hmm. and everybody who loves gaming and everybody who loves someone who loves gaming. And anybody anybody who loves me and anybody who loves, uh, you know, the ability to stick it to rich guys. Oh, yeah. Right? Well, how many people do you think he got lined up? 
No, uh, lots of them. Lots of lots them. and lots of them. Because you think about it, all the people who have a resentment toward mm-hmm. rich people yep. are the wealthy. All the p- people who know something about gaming and gamers and 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 small retailers and yeah. and keeping somebody afloat and you yeah. feel like a savior mm-hmm. and a and a Superman. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of emotion. Think of all the people that just don't like me <laughs> outright. <laughs> I mean, you know? you just, you just make a list. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah, and so I so, need. Four or five notebooks of paper, right? <laughs> so all of a sudden, there's this incredible demand mm-hmm. for this stock, GameStop. And not necessarily from an investment point of view, not a from fundamental invest- investment. Not from an investment point of view. This is just more or less a let's stick it to the man kind of deal, right? And so there are little kids mm-hmm. who had their grandma open up a custodial account yeah. on Robin Hood and they took their thousand dollars they got as a gift at Christmas yeah. and put it in GameStop. Sure they did. And they wanted to be part of mm-hmm. this movement right. to stick it to these rich people. Because mm-hmm. these rich people had bet against this company. Right. And they've already sold this and we're gonna squeeze them. Right. That's where you call a short squeeze, right? That's right. So in this case, you know, uh I borrowed the stock at 40, mm-hmm. already sold it, thinking mm-hmm. that I'm going to buy it back at 20 and fulfill my obligation. And you may have done this a bunch of I times. I may have done it a bunch Over of times Over your already. investment career. Yeah. You may be pretty good at this Nostradamus, yeah. predict the future, mm-hmm. this thing's going to go down right. thing. But Phil gets on this radio machine and the interwebs, right, mm-hmm. and starts talking to everybody, and it catches wind. And uh, before you know it, nationally right. – Everybody says, you know what? This is a good idea. We're going to stick it to these guys who to are heck trying- with them. Exactly. And the price goes from 40 bucks a share to 100 bucks a share. There you sit. And then there I am, right? I've borrowed stock from Bill mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. I've got to pay back at some point. Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. thought I was going to buy it back at 20 bucks a share, but now I've got to buy it back at 40 bucks a share. And oh, by the way, here's Greg Cooley sitting over mm-hmm. there, and he owned some GameStop. Yep. And some of his shares were some of those shares that were borrowed. Mm -hmm. And Greg looks at the account and he said, you know, I used to own a stock that was at 40. Mm -hmm. Now I own one that's at 100. I want to get out. Mm -hmm. Uh, Where are we going to get those shares? Well, then the brokerage company comes back and says, hey, you know what? Mm -hmm. You've got margin requirements here Mm -hmm. and we need some of those shares now. You, and they send right. it to you, the hedge fund right. manager. The hedge fund manager. Uh huh. So unfortunately, I've got to go out on the open market, and I've got to buy this stock at a hundred bucks a share. So they can go back in Greg Cooley's account, and he can sell. Right. Right. Oh, buddy. So I just lost sixty bucks a share uh-huh. on this particular stock, right? And all the time, mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you, people, here's an investment idea: roll eggs. Mm-hmm. All the time, tums. Yeah. You know, uh, Pepto Bismol, whatever, mm-hmm. whatever would help your stomach in any way at all, and yep. anything that could come up or go out. Poor old Bubba here's not eating dinner. Mm-hmm. He's worried because he's squeezed. Yeah. So, but what happens though, logically, when you think about that? Mm-hmm. The stock has gone from forty dollars a share to a hundred dollars a share. In our example, yes. Right. And I, and I own or, or am short a million shares, right? So I've got to buy back a million shares. <laughs> so when I buy back this million shares, mm-hmm. not only does that uh, mean that I'm out that much money, mm-hmm. but there's more demand, a million dollars more or shares more worth of demand. Right. So as I begin buying back my shares to fulfill my obligation, the price, the price keeps going up. Oh, boy. 
It gets worse. It gets worse. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it's like a, a pit that I keep digging a hole in. Yeah. And it's filling up with water yeah. the whole time. And then somebody yeah. turns on the water hose. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so we've had discussion of what a short mm-hmm. is and how to, the shortening stocks works practically yeah. and the borrowing and then the individual investors who really weren't involved in this. Right. They just owned, you know, innocently owned one of these companies, mm-hmm. GameStop or AMC or whoever. They, and then they see the price goes up and they're like, you know what? The price ain't ever gone up that much. Mm-hmm. I'm out. And when they get out, then the brokerage firm comes knocking on your door with a margin requirement and a yep. short squeeze, and then you're in trouble. And then the word gets out, because I tell my brother-in-law, you know what? You own some of that GameStop, mm-hmm. don't you? Yeah, well, it, it, it went from 40 to 100. You may want to get out. Yep. And it, it causes this frothing. Sure. And we've experienced that. Mm-hmm. Okay? Now, there are some kind of speed breakers right. along here to... Try to stop this from going to infinity. Mm -hmm. And we're going to talk when we come back from the Advisors Roundtable what Robinhood, a brokerage firm, did to try to help things out that may or may not have worked here on the Advisors Roundtable Super Talk. Welcome back to the Advisors Roundtable. Certified Financial Planners Bubba Bubba Labus and yours truly, Greg Cooley, with you right here on Super Talk Radio. We're talking about this saga related to shorting and and hedge funds and GameStop. So in our example just a minute ago, these are not real true numbers, but, you know, they're making a point. For illustrative purposes. Right. So you wanted to, you're a hedge fund manager, you wanted to short a million shares of this company, and it was trading at $40 at a time. Mm -hmm. You were going to bet that it would go down. What's the maximum amount you could have made on that transaction? The maximum amount that I could have made was $40 a share. With, and with a million shares, it's $40 million. $40 million. That's the most. Yeah. Because you could have sold it. I, I could have sold it. Uh, at 40 At 40 right? Uh-huh. And hopefully, my hope was that it was going down in value and, and hopefully bankrupt. All right, right? so I'm going to answer a question a lot of mm-hmm. people in Americana have had out there before. Yep. They've heard that companies, and I'm going to pick on one, Hertz, mm-hmm. has gone bankrupt before. Yep. But they still see that there's their stock is still trading. Right. It's probably a bunch of pe- uh, shorters mm-hmm. that have said, okay, you know, I shorted that thing back at $20 yeah. and now it's called itself bankrupt mm-hmm. and it's down to $1. I've got to buy a million shares back. Right. So a lot of people would ask, why does a company that's bankrupt still have its stock traded? Mm-hmm. One of the reasons is shorters covering. Sure. Right? Right. So in your example, the thing could go to zero, mm-hmm. and you could possibly go out there and buy some of those shares back for pennies. Right. And the most you could make is about $40 million in this example. That's right. What's the most you could lose if a bunch of your people who are not your friends, your yeah. enemies... If Phil, my enemy over there, because I didn't wave at him on the street, mm-hmm. got mad at me and took to his uh, interweb machine and radio machine and mm-hmm. said, you know, y'all buy this, it could be infinity. Really? Yeah. Because it could keep going up, and well, you could and, keep waiting. Right. Uh, and, you know, uh, I, I'm not making a comparison here mm-hmm. uh, from an investment standpoint. I'm just mm-hmm. making a comparison of other stocks, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, GameStop, in this example, was 40 bucks a share when I shorted it. Mm-hmm. What if I had shorted uh, Amazon at $40 a share 20 years ago? And what would it be worth? What if I had shorted Apple 20 years ago? Tesla. 
What if Google, I, any of those. Yeah. Berkshire Hathaway, you know? And you've never covered it. Right. You just you just mm-hmm. keep waiting. Oh, it's got to go back down. Yeah, it's got to. Yeah, yeah, and maybe you don't have the money. Mm-hmm. You you know this was just a big gamble on your sure. behalf, and maybe you don't have the money. And quite actually, that's happened to a couple of those hedge funds. Mm-hmm. They've decided to try to cover, but they've had to go borrow right the money mm-hmm. to be able to go and buy shares back at a higher price than they shorted just to get out. Or they had to sell all their other positions mm-hmm. to cover their shorts, mm-hmm. and now they're flat, broken, busted. Right. right? Yeah. So Phil, in this case, actually got what he wanted. Mm-hmm. He got revenge on me. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And I'm not saying that shorting is right or wrong. I right, think right. in some instances it's right. In some instances it may be wrong. It, right. It's not necessarily an investment decision that the average investor. Mm-hmm needs to be making. Right, because I don't think yeah. they understand the mm-hmm. max they could make and the max they could lose. Right. So so here's here's the big rub that I have about all it, mm-hmm. And just because we're in the industry, it's been an, an absolute uh, fun ride to watch. Oh, yeah, you yeah, know? yeah, uh, yeah. Business schools are going to use this forever as a case study. Absolutely, they will. Right. So it's been a, an absolute uh, thrill just mm-hmm. to watch all this unfold. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as I said the other day, oh, man, you know, GameStop is now at 400 bucks a share. I wish we could short it now, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. But, you know, uh, you yeah. talked about some of these circuit breakers, if you will. Uh-huh. Some of these brokerage firms said, no, we're not allowing you to do that. Okay. We're not allowing you to buy more shares. We're not allowing you to short any shares, all that kind of thing. Uh-huh. Right? Yeah. And why did they do that? Why would, like Robinhood, I, and everybody keeps seems yeah. to pick on Robinhood, mm-hmm. but I think there are a bunch of other brokerage firms out there too yeah. that got involved in this. Absolutely. Said, this, is going, this is getting crazy. Mm-hmm. And somebody's going to get hurt. Yeah. Some well, poor kid. There have already been some folks hurt, right? Yeah. Some poor kid's going to buy it. They're going to want to be part of this, and they're going to buy it at $200 a share, mm-hmm. and they got only got $2,000, and they're buying 10 shares, right. and it's going to go up for about two or three days. They're going to feel great because it got up to, what, $480 something dollars a share? So you were riding high feeling pretty good, right? And then all of a sudden, I woke up this morning. And you look at it today and yesterday, right? Mm-hmm. Down 100-something points yesterday, down uh, in, in pre-market trading another 100 points today. Uh-huh, because a lot of people are realizing, ooh, I didn't really bet on this because mm-hmm. I thought it was a good investment. I let Phil talk me into it, and I got part of this frothy, yeah. I hate the rich guy kind of thing. And while I can, I'm going to get my profit. Mm-hmm. So a bunch of people started selling. Right. And there's and a- unfortunately, mm-hmm. and here's the rub that I see for the average investor, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, folks that, that wouldn't necessarily know how these things work, mm-hmm. right? Right. Let's say that they they look at the news and they see all this buzz about GameStop, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And they say to themselves, man, GameStop is is just going like crazy and going up every single day. There's no way to lose with this thing. Mm -hmm. I'm going to buy, you know, everything I own in in my account. You know, I'm going to liquidate. I'm going to put all my money into this stock at 250 bucks a share. Mm For a day or two, that looked okay. Dear, right? Your wife was so happy when you came home and said, look, darling. Yeah, I doubled our money in a day, uh, right? Uh, 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 and now you look at it, ooh, and you're less happy. than one-third that you had put in there. If you right? haven't sold out, you're stuck. Sure. 
And so some of these brokerage firms said, you know, regulators are looking and we're a little concerned and we see the average investor here probably doesn't have a whole lot of experience and may not understand mm-hmm. all this maximum loss, maximum gain thing. We're just going to just right. flip a circuit breaker mm-hmm. and not let it happen sure. anymore. Now, a lot of people squealed. Yeah, a, they did. A lot of people said, you know, you're cutting out the little guy. Mm-hmm. You're not allowing uh, Americans who you know are free to be able to make their own yeah. decisions. Um, there's There's been a lot of left and right and big guy and little guy discussion. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to continue to talk about this, don't you? Absolutely you are. So what have we learned? Well, I, I think the biggest thing that, that you have learned over this whole process uh, and, and I'm, I'm going to make a, a different reference here. Mm-hmm. If, if you're looking for an investment strategy that's going to return, uh, you know, a thousand percent in a week, Whew. right? Mm-hmm. Um, maybe a better option for you is to go to uh, the local scratch-off place and buy <laughs> one of these lottery tickets yeah. and hope, you know, and that's basically what it is. It's gambling. It's, it's speculative. Full-out gambling. Right. So if I put down a dollar and think that I'm going to do a scratch off and win fifty thousand dollars, what are my odds of, of doing well with that? And quite actually, most options buying and and most shorting and I, I mean that's really taking the investment world into the gambling world. Sure. I mean you're playing with the future there. Mm-hmm. If I buy a share of a company and I think it's a good investment and they treat their employees right and they treat their customers right and they make money and they pay their taxes and they're probably boring and I'm only going to make 6 or 8% a year right. in there, that's an investment. Mm-hmm. But when I start projecting what it's going to be tomorrow, right. what it can be next year mm-hmm. and what People are going to think of it and try to get involved in a world that I've never been involved in. I've basically walked into a casino. Sure. And what's the maximum amount you could lose in a casino? Everything that you have. All you got. Yeah. And maybe then some if they offer you credit. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And they have some of that margin stuff Mm -hmm. to go around at some of these brokerage firms. I understand what Robin Hood thought they were doing, and I think a lot of this has something to do with communication and mm-hmm. understanding regulations and and allowing everybody involved in the whole thing to be educated. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also understand resentment. Sure. People don't like rich people mm-hmm. for some reason. They don't understand the benefit that comes with wealth. And one of the things we rail about here at the Advisors Roundtable, I also understand greed and the mm-hmm. and the you know the group mentality and all that stuff. And as you said, it has been not only a business school interesting thing, but maybe a sociological thing that Absolutely. we'll we'll pay attention to yeah. forever. Hang in there with us at the Advisors Roundtable.
discussion and content expressed by the host of the Advisors Roundtable are intended to be received as news, educational, and entertainment or unit items and are not to be accepted by the listener as legal, investment, insurance, or tax advice. Opinions and views will be expressed by guests of the Advisors Roundtable, and those opinions and views are those of the guests alone and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Advisors Roundtable host or any of its affiliated radio stations. All information provided is educational in nature and is not intended to be acted upon without first consulting the appropriately licensed professional of your choosing. Before acting upon any information obtained during an Advisors Roundtable broadcast, an individual should understand matters are extremely tax-specific and require advice tailored to individual facts and needs. Certified financial planners Greg Cooley and Andrew Labus are registered representatives of S.A. Stone Wealth Management Incorporated. Securities offered through S.A. Stone Wealth Management Incorporated, member FINRA, SIPC. Advisory services offered through Ignite Planters, LLC. Ignite Planters, LLC is not affiliated with S.A. Stone Wealth Management Incorporated. Mm-hmm.